Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Four boys are back with another review of one of the films from our ever-expanding Criterion Library. I'm Patrick. And I'm the geek. <laughs> That's true in so many ways. It really, really is. This puts a new level to our high school tradition of Geek of the Week, doesn't That's it? That's true. The award we gave out to uh, people like ourselves. All right. And then this month, we're reviewing 1947's Nightmare Alley with Tyrone Power and Colleen Gray, a number... 1078 in the criterion release schedule but before we get into our review of that criterion disc first let's talk about the movies that came out in january and february of 2022 because we're still playing catch up for the prior releases uh first on january 11th uh the 1998's the celebration uh was released on on Blu-ray from writer-director Thomas Vinterberg. The film tells the story of a family that faces some unpleasant truths at family member Helga's birthday party. On January 18th, uh, A Hard Day's Night is released on 4K edition from 1964, previously released on Blu-ray, director Richard Lester and the Beatles film that tells the story of the Beatles struggling to keep themselves and Paul McCartney's mischievous grandfather in check while preparing for a live TV performance. On January 18th, also saw the release of 2020's film The Time. Uh, This Academy Award-nominated documentary that tells the story of wife Fox Rich fighting for the release of her husband, Rob, who's serving a 60-year sentence in prison. On January 25th, saw the release of The Piano on both 4K and Blu-ray versions, the Academy Award-winning 1993 film from writer-director Jane Campion tells the story of a mute woman who is sent to New Zealand along with her young daughter and a prize piano for an arranged marriage to a wealthy landowner, but is soon lusted after by a local worker on the plantation. January 25th also saw the release of 2020's Dick Johnson is Dead, uh, this Emmy-winning documentary tells the story of a daughter who helps her father prepare for the end of his life. On February 1st, 1956's Written on the Wind, uh, a drama starring Rock Hudson and Lauren Bacall, tells the story of an alcoholic playboy, Kyle Hadley, who marries the woman secretly loved by his poor but hardworking best friend, who in turn is pursued by Kyle's nymphomaniac sister. Uh, Previously released on DVD, being released on Blu-ray for the first time. On February 8th, also saw the release of 1990's Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers crime drama that tells the story of Tom Reagan, an advisor to a Prohibition-era crime, bro- crime boss who tries to keep the peace between warring mobs but gets caught in divided loyalties. On February 15th, saw the release of 1939's Love Affair, the Academy Award-nominated romance that stars Irene Dunn and Char- Charles Boyer, as a French playboy and an American former singer who fall in love aboard a ship. And then finally, on February 22nd, 1982's Boat People. Uh, This Japanese drama uh, tells the story of a Japanese photojournalist who revisits Vietnam 
after the liberation and learns the harsh truths about its regime and its new economic zones. And those are the releases for January and February of this year. So, Chris, of the one, two, three, four, eight, nine, excuse me, nine films released in January and February, which one catches your eye the most? Am I allowed to say none of them because none of them catch my eye? Sure, if that's what you honestly feel. This is not January, February. These are not good movies that they have released for me anyway. None of them capture my imagination. Oh, really? So I own Hard Day's Night, but I like the Beatles, unlike Shane, because Shane's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I used to own the piano. I liked the piano in its day, and I had it on VHS, and I'm probably sure I'm still due someplace in a box, uh, but I never upgraded it to DVD or Blu-ray. And I liked Miller's Crossing, although I've never owned that film, but I've seen it on television a few times uh, since I saw it in the theaters way, way back in 1990. And I think that's a film that I appreciate more now than I did back then. And I could see myself adding it to the library. But if I went through those three, I probably wouldn't upgrade Hard Day's Night to 4K. I don't know if that film's really worth it to me for a 4K version of it. I have the Blu-ray. I probably go with Miller's Crossing because I I think I'm most curious about what they have to say about that film, especially in the extras. Maybe written on the wind would be somewhat interesting to me, but I don't know what kind of extras they would have for the 1956 movie. Well, I'm curious when they put the term nymphomaniac sister, it's like, that's not a term that they use very freely in 1956. (laughs) So I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious what, how they define nymphomaniac. Oh, she wanted to be kissed. (laughs) Like really nymphomaniac. She showed her full shoulders in the dress. All right. What about a film that you think should get that special criterion polish? Well, for this one, I've chosen 1988's Pow Wow Highway. Uh, Have you ever seen it? Uh, Years and years ago, yes. Uh, It's a great film. It's incredibly hard to find today. I think uh, you can pretty much only get it on VHS or if you want to spend about 50 bucks on a DVD version, but you can't get streaming. You can't get Blu-ray. I think that uh, they could clean up the original print and I think they could have some great interviews and discussions on it. And I don't really know how many native American films, the criterion collection even has, but this seems like something that they could do a good job with. All right. Unusual pick. Uh, you know, I've seen it. I And I think it's a film that definitely falls into that wheelhouse of Criterion, a little uh, kind of artsy. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, if, if I could get a copy, I would love us to review it for Lunchtime Movie Review. Well, maybe someday. I'll, I will start looking for it to see if I can assist you in finding a cheaper copy than 50 bucks. But yeah. All right. Well, uh, mine, uh, keeping with, uh, yeah, I try to always tie it to the film or reviewing in some capacity. And they refer to this film constantly when they're uh, on the extras for Nightmare Alley is, uh, I believe it's 1946's The Razor's Edge, also with Tyrone Power, also uh, done by the same director of the, the Nightmare Alley. You know, I, you know, I've seen this once and I liked it. But I'm more more curious about it now, especially when you talk about Tyrone Power and how he kind of was trying to break out of the romance films uh, with Razor's Edge and this film. And I'm a little bit more interested in kind of the backstory of how that came together. 
Uh, and especially in light of the fact that the razor's edge was introduced to me through the Bill Murray film in 1984 and 1985, uh, which is not as mm-hmm. good a version, not as bad as it was panned in the time, but not as good a version as the Tyrone power version. All right. Well, let's get into our review of Nightmare Alley. We usually start by talking about the cover and specifically what versions we have. Uh, This was recently released within the last year or two, if I remember correctly. Um, The copyright date on mine says 2021, so just last year. Uh, So, Chris, I know you are a big fan of this. I'm assuming you have the Blu-ray. Right. I got the one that the Criterion Collection just released uh, number 1078 last year, I guess it was. And it looks great. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I gotta say it's, as far as the cover, it's a very interesting cover. It's the, if you're into tarot card readings, it's a uh, Tyrone power being hung upside down, uh, in the hanging man, uh, position. It's got kind of a, a friv- you know, frivolous artistic style of nightmare alley across the top, almost as designed like a circus uh, poster trying to uh, on the midway, trying to get people's attention. Um, very, very colorful, uh, very, very artistic on the inside of the case on the backside of the, the insert is you know, just a little kind of black and gray uh, insert, nothing special about it. But then the actual leaflet is running, continuing that same theme uh, of that, those art artistic impressions with uh, pictures of scenes from the the film uh, on the leaflet uh and then uh there obviously the uh, i'm sorry the <laughs> the article or the uh, little uh, essay uh written by Kim Morgan uh and then the disc itself has the Ferris wheel uh and and just goes around the edge with kind of a lit up star in the middle. So Chris, as far as the art artistry of the case, what did you think about it? Well, I think it's great. It, it fits very much the, um, the look of the posters in the movie, you know, at the carnival, it, it, it matches very well. And did your version have the, uh, six tarot tarot cards? I did, but I didn't count that as the artwork. I was going to talk about that as the extras, but it, I had the six oh, tarot oh. cards as well. So, I was going to say, well, then just edit that some bitch <laughs> out. Um, but no, I, I like the art. I think it, it fits and it, I think it really does match the, the opening, the opening scene, the, the, the whole carnival portion of it with the, uh, with the posters and everything to draw you into their uh, sideshow. And that's what this cover does as well. All right. No, I, I very much like the, the artwork. Uh, I like when they design something to it. There's definitely a theme to this. I, I appreciate it. It, it. it speaks about the film and it ties to the film very, very well. Um, I, I thought this was one of the better, uh, better pieces of artwork in a case that I, for a film that I've seen recently. And, and I think Criterion's been doing a good job, especially in its most recent releases, doing things like this. Uh, what about the actual film itself? What about the uh, conversion quality? How good was your picture? How good was your sound? Well, you know, everything was perfect. Uh, it, they cleaned it up really well. I didn't notice any little scratches or anything. But I want to say, I know this is a 4K digital restoration, but was it done exclusively for the Criterion Collection? Because I remember when this was coming out, uh, one of our commenters named Eddie had mentioned that he wasn't really interested in getting this version because he didn't think the 
the restoration was uh, he thought it was had already been done on a previous release. Does they, that sound right to it, you? I believe it was released on. And I want to say it was DVD, but I could be wrong around 2006, 2007, because it was never released on VHS. Uh, that was on one of the extras. And then it was released uh, finally uh, in the early 2000s. But I want to say it was on DVD and it had gone through some restoration for that DVD release. But I don't th- it was I don't think it was a 4K digital restoration like they have here. OK, well, it looked beautiful. If you enjoy black and white films, they did an excellent job. I will agree with you. Watching it on my 4K television, although I don't have a, it wasn't a 4K disc itself. It was a beautifully shot film, and as well, and it, every every, it's such a clean, uh, crisp uh, res, uh, restoration of the film. I really, really enjoyed it. I know you and I previously kind of crapped all over the leopard. <laughs> about the how yeah. beautiful we the two versions of the film the the Italian version and the American version the Italian version was so crisp and clear and great and that was a DVD version that we were watching and then then there was the American version which was basically you know screen burns and you know so many problems with it it was like horrible but this this was really really beautifully restored by someone who lovingly cared for it and i i thought it was a really good for a 1947 film was a great restoration sound uh, it's a 1947 film i mean there's not a lot of great sound to it it's you know it was not an era of great sound effects or sound a great sound editing i mean the music was fine everything flowed well together it didn't sound distorted or low sound quality which has happened from time to time on films but this was uh uh, this was pretty good as far as sound. I had no problem hearing it, and I, I heard everything I needed to hear, and it came through very clearly. And it's, of course, it's not even in stereo, so there's just so much they can do. Cor- correct. All right, well, let's talk about the extras on the film. First, starting with the commentary. It has one. Uh, a full-length commentary by film historians James Ursini, James Ursini and Elaine Silver in 2005. It was recorded for ah, well, there you go. It was a, a recorded and included on the 20th Century Fox's 2005 a DVD release. So there's where you get it. It was released on DVD. Okay. Uh, then there is a uh, an extra from Todd Robbins, who's a performer and a sideshow historian, who talks about kind of the history of uh, carnival shows and freak shows, if you will. And it runs throughout the entirety up to the modern day eras of, you know, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus closing up their uh, gates, if you will, and and not running their show actually created for the 2021 uh, criterion. Uh, Then an archival interview with Colleen Gray, who talks about her involvement in Nightmare Alley, uh, her experiences working with uh, Tyrone Power and getting cast in the film. Uh, and it was this was recorded by Patrick Francis in 2007, so it was not uh, new for uh, the Criterion, but I thought it was an essential element to it. Uh, then an interview with Henry King, uh, once again an archival audio interview, an only audio interview from uh, 1971 uh, conducted by Thomas Stemple, uh, recorded as part of the Daryl F. Zanix Research Project for the American Film Institute's Oral History Collection. Uh, he talks about working with Tyrone Power um, and a little bit specifically about Nightmare Alley, but not entirely about uh, Nightmare Alley. And then a, finally, there is also a, uh, a, an extra by Emma Jean Sarah Smith, 
a film critic and author of a book called Lonely Places, Film Noir Beyond the City, uh, where she discusses this exclusively about Nightmare Alley. Um, this was also created exclusively for Criterion, uh, the Criterion release in 2021. Then there is a trailer, and I have a, a critique of the trailer. I'll save that for right now. And then the, <laughs> the leaflet uh, by screenwriter Kim Morgan called The Fool Who Walks in Motley. Uh, and Kim Morgan is one of the screenwriters for the 2021 version of Nightmare Alley, uh, Guillermo del Toro's version of it. And then, as Chris has already alluded to, the six tarot cards, which has a tarot card for each of the five main actors and then the uh, Ferris wheel. So that is the extras on this disc. So, Chris, looking at it, what extras are, are missing here? What, what do you think they should have included? Well, of course, it would have been great if Tyrone Power had some sort of interview that they mysteriously found. I mean, it's it's sad that he died in 1958 at the age of like 44. But um, man, that would have been great because I, I'm pretty sure this was a passion project of his, uh, you know, especially with him wanting to break out of his traditional roles. So that would have been nice. Also, the direct, some sort of commentary from the director, but, you know, he's long since passed as well. But other than that, you know, they did give us uh, – they gave us one of the actors from it, and they gave us a pretty good group of people talking about it. So I think that those are the only two that I miss. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you that the Tyrone Power that, uh, you know, hearing it from all the film historians, how this was such a passion project that he so desperately wanted to do this film. And went to Zanuck to convince him to a you know basically begging him to do this this project because he wanted to basically uh, expand his his range, if you will, and that and the fact that he died young is an amazingly tragic. But I, I really wish we that there would be something talking about, if nothing else, to talk about him in this project. Cause without a doubt, there's people out there who've written about this and to convey that for 10 minutes about, you know, why he wanted to do this and what attracted him to the role. I'm sure he articulated that sometime between the making of this film and his untimely death as to what this film meant to him. Uh, that that's severely lacking because uh, he is, he is the star of the film. And other than the film itself, we really don't have much with him. Uh, I agree with you. The director would have been a little bit, better but the tyrone power is a glaring absence from this what about the quality and quantity of the extras we do have chris uh, what did you think of what what we did have on the disc was it was it sufficient quality or uh, high enough quality and sufficient quantity well i would say that for the the interviews that they did i thought they were pretty good they were above average for some of them that i've reviewed in the past for this show uh, I really liked Todd Robbins. Didn't necessarily have a whole lot to do with Nightmare Alley, even though it was the same sort of theme, but I thought it was a great history of the sideshow. Colleen Gray was great. I really enjoyed hers, and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. The the one with the Imogen Sarah Smith, was that her name? Correct. I, I did enjoy that one. The one of the radio or the archival audio – that, that was kind of hard for me to wa listen to. But, you know, it, it was archival. They never planned for it to be on here. So I guess they felt like they needed to throw something on there. <laughs> um, uh, so they threw it in there. The commentary, 
I, I it was okay. Uh, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of commentaries on it, unless it's the actual like actor director doing the commentary. Uh, you know, this was just historians and the trailer. I will probably leave for you to comment on, but I will say this, uh, the, the studio didn't really, wasn't really behind this film. I'm sure they didn't mind it flopping. I'm sure they enjoyed it flopping. And I think the trailer shows very much how little they effort they put into marketing it. Well, uh, before I address the trailer, (laughs) so what we have is pretty good quality. I agree with you on that. The Todd Robbins, that's entirely about sideshows and carnivals. Uh, I was kind of like, eh, I read what it was about. And I'm like, eh, this has nothing to do with Nightmare Alley. But I got to say, I was really interested in that. That was very interesting to listen to as kind of the history of the evolution of uh, sideshow carnivals and carnivals in general. I, I I gotta tell you, I fell in love with Colleen Gray in this film. I was unfamiliar with her as an actress. Look uh-huh. through her filmography. Can't say I've probably seen any of her films, although I saw Kansas City Confidential on there, and I know you wanted to review that at one point. So if you still want to review it, I want to jump on now because she was on that. <laughs> so Sounds good. But I thought she was absolutely stunningly beautiful in this film. I thought she did a great job in the film, and I'm interested to see other uh, other uh films that she was involved in and i was very curious to see about uh, to uh, hear about her experience on this um the imaging sarah smith documentary at first i was a little hesitant i say ah this is going to just just be about film noir in general and, and it's not it's all exclusively about nightmare alley and i thought that was a really uh, interesting documentary now the trailer because i got a crap on something as you said you can <laughs> see how much they cared about it I don't know if you watch this, but I watched the trailer twice to see, make sure I was right. There's no words in the trailer. And, and I don't mean like dialogue. I mean, you know, usually like Tyrone power, you know, across the screen in big letters, you know, you know, the world's most romantic lead stars in 20th century Fox is new drama. No, there's nothing, not even the title of the film. There is no overlay, you know, words across it. No advertisement for the film. It is just a edited clips of the film. It to me, it's an incomplete trailer. It either they took out all that stuff, or they never finished the trailer, and now they're marketing that it was the theatrical trailer. Because at the end of it, if you saw that in 1947, it'd be like, wow, what is that movie? Because they didn't tell me at any point during the trailer, and I wonder is. Did they actually even release that trailer at any point in time for the film? It seems so incomplete and so glaringly obvious that it, the most crucial element of a trailer is to say, what is the name of this movie? So I know to come and see it and they never do. And I watched it twice to make sure I was right. You're brave. Uh, I, I watched, I had trouble just getting through this short trailer. I'm like, man, this is stupid. What did, what, what are they selling here? Well, no, and I agree with you. The trailer does not summarize the film, but this is a hard film to summarize in a trailer. Right. But I will say, I thought the quantity was lacking. I, you know, there wasn't as much, I, I, you know, other than the commentary, most of the stuff is pretty short. I mean, you got the, the Todd Robbins and the Sarah Smith documentaries are both about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then everything else is less than 10 it's the downside of putting these older films on a Criterion disc. Yeah, but sure. it, 
this was released in 2021, the same time Guillermo del Toro is releasing the remake. I don't know. Maybe he might have something interesting to say about this film. At least I, I feel like he would. Yeah, correct. Why didn't you go and talk to him? He was in production on it. Obviously this film inspired him to remake it. So, you know, why, why was this film interesting or even the cast members of that? I think that would have been a great extra to have. How did it inspire the filmmakers of today? I've seen that on criterions. I think that's a great thing to add. That's something that easily could have been added here. I also kind of want to read the book now based on these extras. I will well, say they talk about in the commentary, how it was out of print, but I looked it up and it's available. It's readily available now, but that was probably because of the 2021 re-release or remake. Yeah, so I would think so. All right. What's your favorite extra from the criterion disc? The Colin Gray interview. Oh, really? Which of course wasn't really, uh, meant for the, for, for criterion. But a close second is the, the little thing with Todd and his sideshow history. Uh, that was very entertaining to me. Yeah. I, I like the color and gray interview. Don't get me wrong, but I thought the Todd Robbins thing, I, I was probably most enthralled with that. And although it is, and I, and I know I'm being hypocritical here when I say this, because I usually bitch about, Hey, they put these extras on here. They have nothing to do with the film. And that has nothing to do with the film. It just has a similar theme as sideshows and carnivals. But I thought it was really interesting. It, it taught me some information that I did not really know about that world or that existence. The entire film did that as well, but that really did. And because of that, I was like, Hey, I kind of walked away a little bit wiser and I really enjoyed that. Uh, so that ended up being my extra uh, favorite extra, but um, I'll agree with you. The Henry King was kind of a throwaway, but I thought they were all really close. I like the Colleen Gray and mm -hmm. I like the imaging Sarah Smith documentary, but Todd Robbins was the best just by hair. You could tell he's a, he's a very good sideshow performer. He draws you in. That's what his job, part of his job is. So yeah, he knows his stuff. All right. Uh, well, final questions. Uh, is the film worthy of a criterion edition and do we recommend picking it up? I don't know if it's worthy of a criterion edition, simply because there was so few extras and I think the, what was lacking would have made it worth it, but is it worth picking up? Absolutely. For the uh, sole purpose of the 4k restoration that that's worth the price of admission right there. Because I originally saw this on YouTube, the a really crappy wow. version. <laughs> so going from YouTube to this was more than day and night. So I think for that alone, it's worth it. All right. Well, uh, I will agree with you that it's worthy. Well, I'm going to say it's worthy of a Criterion Edition. Uh, I, I never I, I've heard of this film from you. Talk, I've heard you talk about it many times. I had never seen this film and I've seen some Tyrone Power films. So I was familiar with the title and maybe I probably because of you always talking about it. But I, I suspected this was film noir, but then when I saw it was about kind of a car carnival, I said, oh, so this is not film noir. And then as I watched it, I went, this is film noir. It's just a different kind of setting, not that what I'm normally used to. And mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the journey in this film. I, I, I thought there was a lot of nuance to this film. I really liked it. As I said, I fell in love with Colleen Gray. Um, I just... I mean, she is just a striking, uh, you know, actress on the screen. She really, really stood out to me. And there were three great actresses uh, in, in playing the three lead, female leads in this. 
but she really, I, I was like captivated with her as like, wow, she's, she's real. I mean, she's really holding her own against Tyrone power. And I want to know once I found out she was in so many other uh, film noirs, you know, she's in quite a few mm-hmm. film noir films. So I know you're very familiar with her work, I'm assuming. And mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, I was like, I, I want to see some of her other work. So that was, that was kind of a, once again, I learned something from this disc. And so, yeah, I would recommend picking it up. Uh, anybody who was the fan of the 2021 film, I think should all watch this film as well. And there's a few familiar faces for film noir as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this month's review of Nightmare Alley. Thanks again for joining us and listening to our little monthly podcast. If you've had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. You can follow us on Pinterest or Twitter at MHMemories. On either one of those social media outlets, you can keep yourself informed about our occasional written film reviews and film summaries, news on upcoming theatrical releases and trailers, and information on many upcoming podcasts on the MHN Podcast Network. And don't forget to subscribe to our account on YouTube, where we're now releasing our podcasts exclusively. Once there, if you subscribe to our account, you can get updates as to when we post new material. You can give us a like or a dislike and leave a comment about our opinions, the film we're reviewing, or even suggestions for a Criterion film you'd like us to review sometime in the future. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we can get from any listeners of the show. Well, that does it for this episode of Criterion Critics. Join us next time when... Chris G, not Chris H, stops by again for another Criterion review. This time he promises to watch the film with me. And we're going to review number 91 on the Criterion release schedule, 1958's The Blob. Until Ooh, that one should be out of this world. <laughs> Until then, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. And we'll see you all next time at our house. podcast is not endorsed by the Criterion Collection and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Criterion Critics, Miami Nights' main theme, is provided courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomputech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the MHN Podcast Network, Criterion Critics, and the Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment LLC, unless otherwise noted.